when we come on here y'all they're just looking all lovely listen it's it, the, the melanin be popping all the look andrea hug glasses our guest the hug glasses it's just just like, look, we, listen we, we be doing our things we be doing our thing <laughs> but welcome 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 all to all of our viewers and those who are going to be tuning in on tonight for an episode of the godly view with your aka hashtag soul sisters um, we have another amazing, amazing show that we're going to be coming to you on um, tonight. Again, like I said, with our beautiful guests, we're going to get to introductions. But um, actually, let me go and kick that off. I'm going to introduce myself. I am Janie, the coach, Janie Lamb. I am out of the state of Florida. And I am, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a mogul. You know, I do a lot of different things. And I'm just excited, like I said, to always come onto this platform because this is something that has been, um, you know, something that's near and dear to my heart. And so I enjoy coming on with my sisters. And um, I'm going to pass the pass the ball to one of my other sisters to get themselves introduced. introduced. Hey, everybody. It's your neighborhood therapist, Jessica Renee. I am out of Bone Ring, Kentucky. Uh, I'm a licensed therapist here. I'm a mom of one. Um, and I'm excited you know, I'm always excited about the conversations we have because I think we have some great conversations. But today we're going to be talking about education and there's just so much that we can just talk about with education. So, but I'm excited to get into it tonight and, and again, just have some great conversation with my sisters. I always enjoy the time that we spend on here having conversation um, and I hope you all do too. Listen, Linda, it is. I like to call this the Soul Sister Saturday. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We might have to, you know, brand that some kind of way. But anyways, I'm super excited to be on. Like my sisters have said, like every time that we get on, it's just a joy. It is not like a burden. It's something that, you know, kind of brings me like a little bit of self-care, you know, having that time with our sisters that we had to like the girl chat. Plus, we have a little godly view things and seeing things God's way because that's the reason why we have this beautiful platform i just want to thank james over and over again for allowing me to be a part of this i am your purpose pusher andrea hurry pushing you into purpose with prayer and affirmation letting you know that god is the way and when you find god you find your purpose hey i like that i like that well hello 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 i'm persephone sonia aka pastor greer I'm a wife, a mother, a wife to the Clifford William Greer II, in case you didn't know, and mother to the very active, very energetic, very, my God, Alonzo Eugene Greer, a.k.a. Gene on the scene. I'm a, a gospel, excuse me, a gospel songwriter and producer. I also do graphic design. I'm an author. I'd be doing a whole bunch of stuff, but my most important job is to be a wife to Clifford and to be a mother to Alonzo and of course 
my sisters at the Godly View are a very big part of my life. And I just I thank God for y'all excited to get into this this discussion about education, because as a parent, even though Alonzo is only almost eight months old, He's going to be starting high school in like two minutes. So I need to definitely. No, have... not two minutes. <laughs> he is. He, he ain't like he's ready. So um, very excited to have this very insightful conversation. That's, of course, centered around the godly view of things. Yes. We got our sister Daisy on with us, y'all. Yes. Hey y'all, good night. I am Daisia Mitchell. Everyone probably knows me as Daisy. I am um, viewing you from Florida and I am here just to support with my sister and my brother in Christ as an ambassador for Christ. And that's why I'm here. I'm excited to um, have our guest on tonight to dig into education and what it looks like today. So thank you for coming and thank you for joining us. Yes. yes, 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 listen, you know what's so beautiful, everybody's always so humble, because to be honest, we are all so modest in our introductions, because you know, these are some powerhouse women, uh, just amazing, simply amazing, and so, uh, not to prolong, we want to give our lovely guest the opportunity to introduce yourself, and uh, don't go live on us, because I know you got a lot of off for you too, <laughs> so yes. Marjillian, introduce yourself to our viewing audience and let them know who you yes. are, where you're from. Tell us about, <laughs> tell us about your book. Yes. Well, <laughs> I am Argillian Gilmer, and I really appreciate you guys, you women, you ladies. I'm so used to saying guys because I am an educator. Um, I am thankful that you, you all considered me and uh, invited me to your conversation tonight. Um, I feel comfortable. Uh, I'm I'm sitting in, in my chair at my desk, and when y'all started giving introductions, like I just wanted to put my feet up and you know see <laughs> crisscross applesauce and get comfortable because yes. this feels good and yeah. I like it a lot. We love it. We um, love it. Yeah, as I said, I'm an educator. Uh, I am here in Arkansas. I've been in education since 2013. Um, I am a master of education and I am the lead educator and CEO of Gilmer's Learning Solutions. Uh, we provide academic support for K through 12 students and also work with professionals in order to help them with upward mobility. Um, in addition to that, I am a newly published author. Um, I've experienced some incredible things in life. Um, it kind of like how the Bible says terrible and it might be good and it might be bad. <laughs> I've experienced a lot of those things in life and the Lord uh, did give me to use those experiences to uh, craft a devotional for young women who are, you know, they want to get over pain from the past they don't want to be, you know, hindered by fear of the future. And they're also trying to push through their present circumstances. And so instead of, thank you, thank you, Andrea. Instead of doing um, what a lot of people have asked me to do, which is just to write a book telling all about my life. I couldn't do that because that might not be your business. But what is your business is how the Lord has 
always been here, how he's yes. always kept me, how he's always protected me, um, how he's always provided for me. And if he will do it for me, I'm not his favorite. He'll do it for all of his children. And so um, I am a newly published author, Message in the Memory. It's available on Amazon. I am the wife of uh Charles Gilmer Jr. have to put a junior on it because I'm not talking about his daddy. Um, he is a captain for the Little Rock Fire Department, um, a wonderful entrepreneur um, with three food businesses now. And we have four amazing children all the way from college to fifth grade. Um, and I want to borrow from Linnell Grant. Uh, she has a new album out and she says that her greatest ministry is what she does for Corey and his children. And so I take that personally because my greatest ministry, no matter how many doors of education I dark, no matter how many degrees I get, my greatest ministry is what I do for Charles Gilmer Jr. and his children. That part. Y'all better testify on that wife on that wife roll. I love it. I love it. Listen, listen. Just listen. Can I, can I add one more thing to, can I add one more thing to her um introduction? Yeah, don't elaborate she is, she is a mighty woman of God. When I say that not just the teacher in her, but the preacher in her, she she might not be accepting her call. Oh, oh no! Did we miss her? It was getting good too. Did we lose her? Uh, oh yeah! Come on back and talk about it, sis. Okay. Come on back. She she'll be back and she's gonna talk about it. And now, and might I add, um, young lady, you do not look like you are old enough to have a child in college. When I say you black, don't crack. <laughs> well, you know it it doesn't crack, but I will be. I can only be honest. I started early. Um, I had my first son when I was fourteen. And so um, my first and second kids have a 10-year gap. I'm, I'm 35, mm. but still, black don't crack. And if you take don't care of it, it'll shine as well. Hello. <laughs> that part. Thank you, Lord. We're going to definitely get into Oh, man. I'm, I know our sister Daisy, y'all part. She, she had some technical difficulties. I was looking forward to hearing what she got to say. When she get back on, we're going to have her go back and don't spend, spend a block on us. <laughs> And get back to what she was sharing about you because I'm, I'm sure you did uh, go easy on us, even though you share some amazing things. So, until our sister gets back to share her ad lib, um, we're actually going to get straight into it because we like to kind of focus in once we have when we have a guest on because these these episodes can go pretty long because we we like to really hone in on these conversations and so forth. And I know you did just share a you know a bio or a little introduction about yourself or whatnot but if you don't mind before we delve too far into the questions if you don't mind giving a little bit more um backdrop on specifically how your company actually hold on let, let me let me get, get let's get our sister back in here Andrea, you you back <laughs> listen i got to remember to take my phone and put it on do not disturb because people be knocking me off okay well listen we, we were excited to hear what you were saying it was getting good when you got cut off I was like oh man <laughs> Okay, just real quick, I'm gonna say I'm trying to be real fast. Um, just the mighty woman of God, um, prayer warrior, intercessor. Like she has, she has all the gifts. The fivefold ministry is within her. She is an amazing, amazing woman of God, and just a joy um, to be around. And I am so grateful 
for her teaching anointing and how God uses her to let her glory be revealed. And even in the places, um, not just with the, with the children, but even with the adults and with the women and with the men, like she has a well-rounded ministry and I am super excited to have her on. I was so happy when she said yes, and I'm going to be quiet now. Ooh, see, she done told on you now. So just go ahead and flow. Just go ahead and flow. You <laughs> ready? But what, what I was about to ask and ask you to delve into a little bit more before we get into the questions, because as, you know, me and the sisters, we were just kind of chatting in the inbox about our questions, kind of discussing back and forth. You know, your company is very intriguing and just what you do. And, um, and, you know, we were actually, you know, ourselves even like, well, we're going to get a little bit more understanding on specifically what she does, because I know being in the education space, you know, there's a wide range of what you can do. And I know you described yourself as an educator, and that can mean being an actual teacher in the classroom, that can mean a number of things. But if you don't mind, before we get into the questions, give a little bit more backdrop about your company and specifically what you do in the space of education. Oh, for sure. So um, Gilmer's Learning Solutions is an educational support service. Um, being in the classroom, I've always taught reading intervention. And that's the group of about 15 when when they push it and they will. You might get 20 students in reading intervention. And it's extremely hard, even in a classroom of 15 to 20, to give every student what he or she needs on his or her level. Um, we can group, and grouping is great, but it's still a roundabout, you know, grouping. It's not specifically tailored to each individual child. And so um, when I started Gilmer's Learning Solutions after I didn't leave the classroom when I first started, but when I did, it was because the Lord really pushed me in this direction because there are people, students who need that one-on-one -on -one or a smaller than small group um, support that is personalized to what they need. And even in a small group, let's say in school, the small group might be six people, but can you really hone in with six kids to one teacher, um, it's almost impossible. And so I just love being able to provide a service that is specifically tailored to what each child needs. Um, it is personalized to the point where we start with a diagnostic assessment to see where their foundational gaps are. And we start wherever the first gap is. I don't care if you're in 11th grade. If you missed a kindergarten skill, we're going to cover the kindergarten skill and we're going to explain to you why we're starting here so you'll understand the longevity um, of this. Like you, you need the skills so that you can be successful in all areas of life. You know, you can only, um, you can only, you, you can only compensate for so long. There's going to be a time where you're going to have to show what you know. Um, and so we want to make sure we can build those skills. So we work one-to-one -one or one-to-three in order to personalize support. And it's really important even more than that, um, because as we know now, uh, people call on Jesus when they're in trouble, but they don't want you to talk about Jesus. And so in order to share my faith more freely, it required that I get out of the public school setting um, so that I can share with God's people what he gives me to share with them 
and not be bound by anybody's uh, parameters because of the federal state dollars that they took. Ooh. Yeah. Yes and amen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Kind of spot on though, you know, and just generally discussing, you know, our thoughts around what you did and, and, and you know, just kind of where you position where you position in the industry. And first of all, I commend you tremendously for what you do. Um, I was sharing with the sisters. Thank you. In the chat. Um, I was sharing sharing with the sisters in the chat that I've seen that sort of a scenario play out firsthand with both of my nephews because one of my nephews, which is four, he's he's um autism, he has autism, and he but he actually thankful to God, he actually has a school that he attends in his, you know, his earlier child, childhood learning stages um, that kind of sounds similar to what your services are because it's very catered um, or tailored to his learning needs and styles and so forth. But then my older nephew, which is like 11 now, he just turned 12, I'm sorry. But he, he's like a little genius. If you let me tell the story, he'd be always working these little gadgets and doing the most, but he does not flourish in a standard school setting. And so they tried to label him with a disability, a learning disability. And I'm like, ain't nothing wrong with that boy. That boy just as smart as listen. He's just he is not the average child. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about smarter than his smarts. And so I'm like, he ain't he ain't got he just has a different learning style that you all haven't accommodated. And so, you know, I I I wish there were more companies and more people doing things like what you do, you know, because it's like so needed. So I'm going to ask, I guess, the first question and get that out the way. And I'll go and pass the mic around because we got we got we got questions, questions we want to get to. There's a lot of good questions we want to pull out of you. Get our little nuggets while we can. <laughs> so uh, the first question for you is, um, let me pull that up. So um, seeing how you're working in the um, space of education, um, what would you say is the main struggle? If you had like a top struggle that you see or that you acknowledge or recognize, just um, with students, with the families that you work with or whatnot, what would you say that struggle is? And um, and do you feel that whatever methods are presently established to address that issue, would you, do you feel that are there, are there standards or do you feel that there's something that's in the educational system that needs to change in order to address what that struggle is, whatever you're, you're saying, you would say that, that your main struggle is that you identify? So I really would say that the main struggle I see in education as it relates to families and education um, goes with communication and not just, you know, I send a folder home, you sign and it really goes deeper than communication to the relationship between families and the school and students. And even though students are a part of families, they are intersectionally a part of school and family. So I say the, the relationship because we see so many videos that somebody's child has recorded about negative behavior in the classroom. Um, <clears throat> and anytime there is a disruption in education, if there's a disruption in the classroom, then students are prevented from learning. Um, I cannot effectively teach a lesson if there is misbehavior that's such a huge disruption. You know, we have to get campus security or SROs involved. Um, then we're hindering the learning of the whole group. And 
the reason this is top on my list in problems is because a lot of families are not parenting or guiding students in the way that we should. Um, and I have to start with family because I'm sure most of us here learned how to control ourselves, how to behave ourselves in public, how to respect our elders. And that started with home. Um, God did not implement a school first. God implemented family first. So in order to have the right um, interaction, the right relationship between the school and the family and students so that all students can learn, we first have to start with our families and making sure that our families and our schools and students are on one accord, that you know there is shared respect, um, that everybody who is inside of the school feels safe, welcomed, loved, you know, that they feel that they can learn and flourish. Also, administrators and teachers have to have that same feeling. They have to be respected. They have to know that their profession, our profession is valued, that people do view us as subject matter experts when we prove ourselves to be such. Um, and if we can get that student, family, school relationship where it's supposed to be, then I think all of the other million problems would slowly start to, to, to fix themselves, if you will. Wow, wow, that's a wow, that's a powerful response and a very interesting. I don't I don't know why I didn't think you were gonna go that route, but that's interesting to hear. Um I mean it makes perfect sense though. It makes perfect sense though, just knowing like you share with what we see just portrayed throughout the news from time to time and just even in our own observed communities and just things that we witness. Um, it makes absolute sense and I totally agree. Um listen, we're gonna we gonna we're gonna put that one on the prayer altar even the more. <laughs> Hello. It, it definitely it does even definitely the more. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yes. I'm going to pass yeah. the mic on off. Um, I, I forget which one of us this is had the second question. Okay. Me? Um, I definitely, uh, your answer was spot on. Perfect. Because um, I, I was thinking about when you were talking about the behavior in the classroom of the children uh, impacting the learning environment. I remember in middle school, especially, there were a lot of troubled children that were expressing uh, themselves in a very negative way. They had behavioral issues and it impeded my peace in being able to learn and being able to absorb everything because it's hard to listen to the teacher when there's someone beating on the desk, when there's someone talking, when there's someone playing around. So it, it is very important for things to be taught in the home first. And, you know, there are a lot of lazy parents out there. A lot of them are either lazy or they don't like conflict and they want the kid to, you know, be peaceful and they're peaceful as long as they get their way. And it's just a it's, it's a whole bunch. So you you went to a very uh, necessary place with the answer, should I say. Um, my question, well, my first of a few questions uh, is what are three things you'd suggest that parents do to prepare their children for formal education, like, say, ages one through Three before they even go into preschool, what are some things that you would really want to drive home that parents should be doing? Um, three things, top three things that parents should do to prepare their children for, for formal education is 
One, read to that child. Um, 10 minutes a day. If they can sit longer, 15 minutes a day. Read to that child. And when you read to that child, enunciate correctly so that that child will understand what words are supposed to sound like. They will know the relationship between spoken word and printed text um, so that it will help them when they are learning alphabet sounds and learning how to blend those sounds together to form words. Um, It'll help them with spelling when they start to decode words um, and encode words. Read to them. Enunciate correctly when you read to them. That That's top of my list. Um, I've had so many students spell words wrong, and it's because we pronounce them wrong. Um, we, we say them wrong, and, and they'll even say, well, that's not what my mama say. And I hate to be the one to tell you, but baby, <laughs> your mama is wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yes, let's do it correctly. And you don't have to, it, it doesn't have to be hard. I mean, you could be reading a magazine. Of course, I hope it's, you know, age appropriate or context appropriate, but you can read a magazine. You, you can read signs as you pass down the street when you're at Walmart. You know, it, there are so many opportunities to, to read to our children. Um, another thing I would say, I actually had a friend ask me uh, earlier this week, what do I need to do to, to get my eight-month-old ready? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, he's not going to school anytime soon. But what you can do is show him flashcards and um, make sure he knows that each letter represents a certain sound. There's a certain sound. And, and say it correctly because B does not say B. It says B. So let's go ahead and, you know, let's do that correctly because that's going to help. Um, another thing I would say is, and I think this is two or one and a half, I'll call it two. Um, another thing you can do, we can do as parents is teach our children discipline and not like punishing discipline. Discipline is training. Teach our children how to sit down for more than three minutes, um, in a controlled setting. I talked to somebody about this yesterday, I believe. If we brought our children to church like we used to, that's a good training ground for sitting down, shutting your mouth for a, a, an hour, an hour and a half. So they'll be prepared when they get to school and they know how to sit down and listen. Um, it wouldn't be so hard when they have that structure, when they go into school and it's expected. Um, kids start pre-K and they've never walked in the line a day in their life. They've never put a bubble in their mouth in all of their three years until they just came into pre-K and they don't know how to do that. It's not that they're being bad. They don't know how to do that. Okay. Um, so teach them some structure before they even get to pre-K. It, it's necessary. Um, and then a third thing I would say that families can do to help their kids prepare for school is teach them that they can't have their way. L let things not go their way. Teach them conflict resolution, how to work through 
um, difficulties that you're having with other people, um, interpersonal or with yourself, intrapersonal. Teach them how to manage those conflicts. Um, more than teaching how to manage internal conflict, external conflict, because you will not always get your way. And you can't go throwing desks. You can't go stomping your feet, falling out in the floor, stabbing people with a pencil because you can't have your way. You can't decide that you're not going to do the work because you don't like the work. Oh, okay. Some things you got to do because you don't like it. Um, I think those things are important. So reading to them, making sure that they have some structure and also instilling discipline so that they can go to school and be productive. They can get the most out of that experience. Whew, listen, I, whew, I, I, I hope y'all was ready because she, she's, she's coming with it. She's coming with it. It's flowing. It's flowing. Grab, grab your yes. vessels like, the, woman, like, the, like the widow woman. Go and get some vessels because the oil is flowing. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, my next question. I want to ask a quick question before we get to our next. Could I? Can I ask a quick question before you get to your next question? Slide on in. Okay, you said something that was really, really good. Really, really good about um, the, you know, the church being a training ground. So how would you, like for new parents who are bringing their children to church, how would you suggest that they start, um, you know, would you suggest they start bringing their children into the um, children's church? Or would you suggest them actually bringing the children into the actual service? Like, how how do they integrate? Okay, so, you know, I know a lot of churches opt for children's church because it makes for a, a more peaceful church service, a less interrupted church service. But, and, and that's great. That's great. It's I, that's great. But I think about my pastor, Pastor Edward Terry, um, who has a good enough hold on his relationship with God and his message that he's teaching us that hearing a child cry or talk out during service doesn't ruffle his feathers. It doesn't make him forget the scripture that he was talking about. It doesn't make him forget what the Holy Spirit has imparted to him. Um, so I don't see anything wrong with starting them in the actual service because it, it happens. A baby's going to cry. Uh, uh, you know, a cup is going to be dropped. But that that really don't stop the move of God. God ain't like, oh, wait a minute. I I had to stop imparting to you because that baby crying just kind of messed me up. God, that ain't how God operates. Um, and so I, I don't think there should be a problem with children, babies coming into church um, so that they can learn. You know, if, if you need to let them see a tablet a little bit to keep them quiet, make sure you bring those snacks have some crackers, have, have a cup of juice, you know, bring them a cookie, let, let them have some sugar for a little bit, whatever is, is going to keep them quiet. And then even, you know, telling them, Shh, we have to be quiet right now. You know, that's training them. 
Um, because it's necessary. It, it, they can't get that in children's church because children's church is tailored for them to be themselves, to have fun. Yeah, you might have to listen to the lesson real quick, but you're going to have plenty of time to get up and play around. You know, children's church isn't tailored for teaching that kind of structure. Bring those babies in the sanctuary. Yes. And I, I just want to just, if you can, just add to make, you know, new moms feel more comfortable because I think sometimes they, you know, had that discomfort or they had that, you know, what, if, you know, what if my baby cried too much? Like, it's okay. <laughs> Bring them on in. Yeah, you're right. It's, it is okay. And, and I can say that's one thing that we try and make sure any visitors um, who are coming to our church that they know it's it's fine. It's okay. And it's going to take a lot of members getting that lemon juice look off their faces too when, when the baby cries because we're not inviting those moms to keep coming back when we quit, quit looking over your shoulder. The pastor didn't ask you to tell your neighbor nothing. Stop looking over your shoulder because you hear the baby. Focus in. Fo focus in. It's okay. T let those moms know that it is all right. We have to. Otherwise, we're not just missing the mom, potentially. She might not even go to another church. She could just decide completely, them church folks didn't welcome my baby. So, you know, so we're not just missing the mom now. Now we're missing a whole other generation because we didn't welcome her baby into service. And, and, and. I'm not going to say our old church mothers because, you know, you 70, you 80, you might not want to rock a baby, but you 35, 40, 45, 50, get up and go help her. Ask her, is it something that you can do for her? Ask her if she wants you to hold a baby, to walk the baby down the sidewalk real quick and bring the baby back in. Help. I'm done. Y'all going to get me in trouble. I totally agree. No, no. Everything you said was right on. Because wow. at Kingdom Culture Church, my bishop, my spiritual father, James W. Bird, does the exact same thing. Baby starts making noise. Like, let the baby cry. Let the baby cry. Let the baby, let the baby make noise. You know, um, that is so important, especially, you know, because <laughs> I, I get kind of nervous sometimes about Alonzo because he's, you know, expressing himself more. <laughs> Um, so yes, it, it, it does help to not get the, the look, you know, because, you know, most people have been around babies at some point in time and you have to, you can't stop your life because you have a child and you definitely don't want to stop your spiritual journey because you have a child. So that's, that's spot on. Very important. Thank you. Um, my next question is concerning homeschooling. Um, what are your thoughts on homeschooling and have you noticed any differences between those that go right into formal education or those that might have started out in homeschooling and then they transition into formal education? Yeah, so I'm not opposed to homeschooling at all. I know some people feel like, you know, if you're an educator, you know, you taught in public school, you you should be for public education. Um, especially in Arkansas now, we have this this bill, the Learns Act, where it's actually taking um, 
those tax dollars with the child, wherever the child goes. So, you know, I live in Mayflower, but if my kid goes to school in Little Rock, then those tax dollars are going to follow. Um, if I choose to put my children in a private school, then those tax dollars will follow. If I choose to homeschool, there's even a provision for me to get those tax dollars because I'm schooling my children. Um, so because of the money issue, a lot of people think, okay, we shouldn't support homeschool. But there is a place for homeschool because not all children thrive in a classroom of 28 plus students. Um, sometimes there are particular values and lessons that we want to impart to our children without having to correct what they've seen or what they've heard in a public school or private school setting because private schools have their problems too. Um, so there is a place for homeschooling. I'm not opposed to it at all. I think you have to know your child. You have to know what your child needs, especially um, as far as education and socialization. If you homeschool, you can hire me to come help you homeschool and you can get a licensed educator to, to teach professionally you know, for you, but I can't provide the socialization that your child might need. Um, and I see that particular thing a lot where students who have been homeschooled struggle with socialization. They struggle with how to interact with their peers. Um, either they are completely completely closed off or they overly share or they're overly playful. Um, they they don't know how to take turns. You know, so I really think there's a fine there's a fine demarcation there. You have to know your child and what your child needs. Um, before you decide that I'm gonna homeschool. Like one of one so of my maybe. little children would do great homeschooling. The other one, she would probably wanna do bodily harm if we made her stay home and she didn't get that socialization that she loves. Um, so you really have to, you gotta know your kids. Um, as so far maybe. as kids transitioning, go ahead, Andrea. You said something earlier about the church being the place for discipline, but the church can also be the place where they can learn socialization too as well. Yes, it can. But that means, and I think you, you know you're onto something. That's why you, that, that means that you can't just come to church in time for the sermon. Um, that means that you have to have your kids there on Wednesday. You have to have your kids there on time on Sunday so they can get the full children's church experience or children's Sunday school experience so they can get that socialization because they can't play in the sanctuary while the pastor's preaching. That's not the place for that. They, they can't be talking to each other then. So that means you got to be there for more than 30, 45 minutes to hear the sermon on Sunday. And when your church has vacation Bible school, you got to send your kid. If your church does a movie night or a, a study session over scriptures, like our kids do sermon notes where they have to write down stuff from the message and they write down questions that they have. Well, when we come together for a, a sermon note session, then your kids got to be there. 
So yes, you can get socialization from the church, but you gotta be there. Whew. Um, how's everybody toes doing? Everybody toes okay? Because um, right, the fire should have had bring your steel toe boots. <laughs> I, I love it. Everything that has been said, I co-sign one hundred percent. so good. <laughs> Mighty God. Let me go ahead and ask this, this last question of mine before I get slain in the spirit. Okay. The <laughs> third question is, um, let me see. Okay. Because I, I was losing, I was losing track. Okay. What is something that you would, if you could just snap your fingers and it would immediately change in the formal school system, that one thing that you're just like, of, of all the years that you have been in the sector you're just like that grinds my gears. I wish I could just snap my fingers and change it immediately. Um, I've already been on my soapbox about relationships between parents, family, and the school. So if there was something immediate that I could change. Um, I would make sure that vetted highly effective teachers are able to do their highly effective jobs with autonomy as long as they are within the standards that your state has aligned. Quit hovering over teachers trying to dictate what they can and cannot teach. Stop taking uh, cues from lobbyists from political action committees who have money, throwing them at throwing it at school board members and, and legislatures. Stop all that. Let highly effective teachers teach so that these kids can learn. Powerful and necessary. Yes. Yeah, going to drop the mic. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, all great information. There's a couple times I wanted to interject to say something, but I was like, no, let me be quiet. Let me be quiet. Um, so I have the next question. Um, again, well, I want to go back and kind of, I guess, say, make a statement about what you said at the beginning about what your uh, organization does. I think that's so awesome um, that you start where they, where that gap starts. Um, I work, I worked with a lot of foster care children over the years. And even, even in my education growing up, um, I had, you know, I had, I grew up with a mother who's bipolar. And so when she would, was having episodes, I'm not good at math, but, you know, in talking to my grandma, a lot of the things that I missed in those formative years with math were like, were periods of time where my mom was dealing with something. And so my, like you said, the focus, if there's something going on, kid can't focus. So I miss those, um, I miss those foundational points of certain things with math that it's hard, you know, certain aspects of math are hard for me now, which is why my daughter didn't ask me to help, help her with her math homework, you know? So, <laughs> so we laugh about it, but, but it, for me growing up, it was hard. Um, but I see even just working with foster care youth, them moving home so much, they're missing those foundational pieces, right? And I see so many kids give up in school or, you know, feel like they just can't make it, but it's because a lot of some of those things that, they, that they're that they trying to work on, they miss the foundational pieces. 
And so I think it's very awesome that you guys start where it's needed because it's so necessary. Um, and so, yeah, so I applaud you for that. So that was my little spiel there. Um, but Thank my you. question is, uh-huh, you're welcome. Uh, what aspects of being an educator did you initially like take on that you didn't foresee like, like, one of those moments like this ain't part of my job description like you know what are what has has there been anything you took on as an educator that you didn't foresee being a part of your job description <laughs> well first of all the whole career <laughs> the whole career I, i'll tell you i never wanted to be a, a, an educator i did not want to be a teacher um my mom was a teacher. She's retired now. She taught for over 30 years. I'm 35. I think she taught for like 31 years. Um, and she was great at being a teacher. Not so great at mothering, but she was a great teacher. And for that reason, I never wanted to be a teacher because I used to wonder, how can you be so good with these other people's kids? How can you show up for them day in, day out, on time, you know, crafting some of the best engaging lessons? How can you do that for somebody else's kid and me and my brother over here with our dads? Like, make it make sense. So the whole career, that's first. Um, but after I stopped being disobedient and did what the Lord told me to do. Um, one thing that I never thought I would do in those other duties as a sign, <laughs> one thing I never thought I would do is to have to um, help students with their hygiene in as much as doing hair. Now, I've always been a teacher who I got a drawer you got your deodorant, you got your soap, you got a toothbrush, toothpaste. I got all this stuff for you. Don't ask me for it. We're not going to talk about it. You just go and you get what you need and let me know that you went to the bathroom because we, we're not going to talk about it. It's nobody's business. Um, but I remember having one student, and then I've had to do this more than once, but it started with one student. Um, you can't have bonnets on at school. You're not supposed to. It's a little lax now, but you, you can't have bonnets on at school. Um, you need to have your hoods off in the classroom. And um, there was one girl who would come to school and she wanted to keep her hood on, but she couldn't. And so the one day that she actually complied and took it out off, her hair was just a matted mist. And she cried because... Of course, she didn't want people to see her hair like that. Um, and at this time, I was in an alternative learning classroom. So there were two of us in that class. Um, these are kids with, you know, behavior issues, learning disabilities. The school district has determined that this is your last stop before we expel you. Um, so I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to let you hold this down. And I'm going to take her and we're, we're going to go figure out how to get this done. And so I ended up almost on a weekly basis washing her hair and twisting it in the nurse's station because her mom just 
she wasn't keeping it done. She she wasn't going to keep it done. Her mom didn't even bother to send a note or call and cuss us out and say, how dare you do something to my baby's hair? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I never expected to do that. And then as I progressed in my career and went into middle school, there have been lots of girls that I've had to say, mm, come here, we can't wear that bonnet, but let's figure out how to fix this. Let's let's figure out what we can do to this so you can actually be at school and follow dress code. You shouldn't have to go to ISS because your your folks didn't make sure your hair was done properly before you came to school. I never thought I would have to do anything like that, but it has been one of those things that's even more fulfilling than teaching a lesson. Yeah. Do you think that also maybe contributed to to some of the behavior that may have gotten the girl into? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because of course you don't have that many times to call me nappy head before I want to fire on you. Like you know. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and being defiant, having a teacher yeah. tell you over and over, take that off your head. I'm, I'm probably going to take the risk of getting in trouble versus having all you know of my peers make fun of me because my hair is not done. I wanted to point that out because I think oftentimes what I see nowadays is that the school system doesn't take a second to step back and say, well, why doesn't she want to take the bonnet right. off? Like, you know, will somebody have a conversation and we don't have to be here, you know? And so uh, I feel like I'm seeing that more and more with schools just kind of, if they're if they're deemed a bad kid, then that's it. There's no more conversation. We're mm-hmm. just going to deal with you accordingly. So, uh, well, I thank you for taking. But the child also has to be open too. Yeah, I think sometimes the child could be closed off to even opening up to um, to even share about what they're go- what they have going on. You know, they, mm-hmm. they build up that barrier, and mm-hmm. it takes a teacher really taking the time to, you know ask the questions or see the thing because sometimes they ain't gonna say nothing and she just had to see it in order for them to to do it so that i commend you as well um i feel like being a teacher is definitely ministry and being a hairstylist is also a ministry and i remember one day um my hairstylist telling me like (laughs) you know i'm gonna be here for you we're gonna be on this journey together and it is okay. And she said, like, every time she did my, my hair, she prayed over me. And I I literally see the ministry of a teacher in that same kind of aspect where, you know, you, you're not going to always be able to have the open door in the public school system. But, baby... And that one-on-one time, I just, I just could, I, I just imagine, and I was kind of like a little tearful just hearing you talk about it because so many times I think that I things that I have seen um, going into certain school districts um, that has been like the number one thing with as far as the um, hygiene and the hair. And I'm like, what? How do we get here? But I believe one way is because of a lot of children having children. And a lot of parents just not having the time to teach those fundamental skills um, that a lot of us learned from our parents. And, and now it's kind of like being left up to the teacher to do those parental jobs. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
a lot of they they see I see you. Um, a lot of children having children. Um, and I'm thankful when when I had my son, even though I was 14, um, I didn't think I didn't really get it as much then as I did once I you know came into my early 20s and even more now. But my dad told me that that that's your son. Um, and and although I mean the way that I got him <laughs> is a story all in itself, but it was still my son. Um, and I had to parent him. And I'm thankful for that because it taught me how to mother. It taught me that my son comes first. It taught me that taking care of him is going to be the most paramount thing that I do, no matter what else I have to miss out on. Everything else had to come after him. Um, besides, besides my education, I was still able to go to school, you know, but every, everything else had to come after him. Um, and a lot of parents don't have that. Unfortunately, it, it was it's, it's been lost in translation somewhere. Um, their mothers maybe didn't mother that way or fathers didn't father that way. And nowadays, grandparents are not grandparenting the way that they used to grandparent. So it's, it's gotten lost. Um, and for that reason... Um, our, our young girls, our African-American girls, are disproportionately um, disciplined in, in schools. And, and there has to be a reason behind it. Um, there are not many people who are saying, okay, let's, uh, let, let's peel this onion and see why she has the attitude. Let's peel this onion and see why she doesn't want to go to this class. You know, it's not happening a lot. I mean, one thing I've always told my students, and, and a lot of them think I'm lying the first time they hear it until they actually see it, is that they are more important than being a student. You have more to offer. You are more than ID number 75321 at this school, and you're more, you're more important than those grades that you make. Um, I want to just add, it, Jess, were you done with your questions? I don't want to intervene if you're not done. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. But, um, so I wanted to tap in on some things that you said before we go to the next question um, to talk about the young lady with the bonnet in her hair. Before I go on to my question really fast, I just want to say this is why God had set you apart for that job, though you were running from it so far, because you're... You're, you've made your work, I, I believe a few of the ladies said it, your ministry and the education field, as well as being a nurse, as well as being an attorney, is what you look at it to be. And so if you look at it to be your work versus your ministry, it that's what it becomes. And some people are in that field because it pays the bills and it's a check and it's money. And so it's of your passion and it's of your heart desire. And God knew your heart. He knew that it will come a time where you see that young lady with a bonnet and you take it upon yourself to get her hair done. Many um, people in education, unfortunately, won't go that, um, think outside of the box and go above and beyond to do that. And so that even confirms that you're in the right area and your heart is made of gold because you're walking in your purpose. And um, so my question was to add on to that was, I believe it also depends on your deliverance um, of asking 
that individual, the young lady, why she had the bonnet on. Um, not only your deliverance, but also how, uh, where you're acting. Because I know one thing, with, depending on the age, you know, if it's a teenager, if they're anywhere from, I'd probably say 10, 11, 12 in their teens, if you're asking them in front of a bunch of people and there's guys there, you know, that hormones start acting up and they may get real feisty, then it turns into something aggressive. Yeah. So it also depends on if you're going to pull them aside and ask, why do you have your bonnet on? So I just, I'm curious to know how you presented to her um, the question and how you were able to get her to tell you about her mom not doing her hair and so forth. So with the first girl, and, and you are 100% correct. Um, with the first girl, this is when she was in fourth grade and she had already been held back a year. So she was 11 in fourth grade, which that's layers on layers already. Um, and so this time when she begrudgingly went ahead and took off her, her hood like she was supposed to, like she was asked, uh, when I saw her hair wasn't done, I remember writing her a note saying, meet me in the hallway and telling the classroom teacher, like just going up to her on the side and letting her know, I'm going to go handle this. I'll be back. Um, just slide you, slide you a little note. Meet me outside. Um, because it is nobody else's business what's going on here. All they're going to know is that when you finally show up for lunch, when we get done, is that your hair got done. That, that's none of their business. And then with middle schoolers, especially eighth graders, they're, they just hit 14 or they're about to turn 14. Um, I've had those. And I'll wait until the hallway is cleared. Most of the time it's during transition because that's when most teachers see them and they're hollering, take it off your head. You can't get that button off. You can't have it on your head. So instead of me hollering at you while the rest of them are hollering at you, I'm calling a campus security officer, say, hey, you come watch my class. My kids know what to do. You, you come holler at me real quick. And we're going to walk and we're going to talk about now, girl, why you got that button on your head? You know that's against the rules. Like, what, what's up? Why why you got that button on your head? And when they start, Miss Gilman, my hair, I get it. I get it. I do. So instead of you getting in trouble, because you know these teachers going to keep on telling you to take your bonnet off, then they're going to send you to the office when you refuse to do it. Instead of going that route, let's just go ahead and holler at the principal yeah. now and let her know we're about to figure out what we can do with this because we don't need to spend the rest of your day you being fussed or end up you know going to the principal's office and spending your day in ISS because you wouldn't take the bonnet off like you really just have to be authentic you genuinely do have to be concerned it can't be a I'm being nosy because I want to know why you don't have your hair like you genuinely do have to be concerned you got to be real with them and they have mm -hmm. to have seen that you're a real person who cares on a regular basis. You can't just yeah. start tomorrow and think that they're going to accept it tomorrow. You got to come that way and be that way consistently in order to get that kind of trust from them. Really, it's them trusting you. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I appreciate that about you and how you educate. Um, before Jessica goes, I just wanted to uh, say to that is when you mentioned that instead of the other teachers yelling, you doing it differently. I think what came to my mind is, especially when they get in their teenage and they start understanding and they they become more prideful and shameful. And that's what caused them to act out even more and so with you doing it versus the teachers yelling what what i thought about is we don't want nobody yelling at us miles away saying you spelt that wrong you this this and that and so at what point do we start treating our children how we want to be treated you wouldn't want someone calling you out out loud as a human being as an adult so and you know it you get pulled back when you do it in that format so i can appreciate you doing it that way you should definitely teach other adults how to be better teachers Yes. So I, that'll bring me to my next question. I, I th that's true. You know, we have to understand that our kids, even though they're kids, they are still people and they still have feelings and they still don't want to do certain things like we don't want to have certain things done to us. So my next question is, um, what do you feel needs to be done to get more Black educators into the classroom and into the industry? Um I, I I saw a study that you know the the black number the number of educators in the black community is going down um, because they are you know people are going into schools and pulling them other directions right so what are what are some what do you think needs to be done to get more black educators into the classroom um, so kids can have that diversified experience. Um, so there are a couple things. One thing I will say hits on the first question that I answered, and it's about the relationship. Um, we we have to make sure we are sending um, respectful, well-rounded um, children to school. Um, normally at the beginning of the year, and it's kind of a reverse psychology trick, when I send that first message, um, to parents after the first day of school. And I've been a family and parent engagement facilitator for several years as well through school, in addition to, you know, my regular teaching. But when I send that first message, I'm thanking you for sending your best children to school. You only have your best children. So thank you for sending your best children to school. Um, I'm not asking you to send them with the right attitudes. I'm not saying that, well, we notice that, you know, we're having problems following instructions. No, thank you for sending your best children because now you're going to be thinking about what makes my child the best child. Um, and if you can't readily pull something, then you might start thinking, well, dang, I need to teach my child how to be the best child. Um, so it's, it's the children we send to school. And also, um, in order to get more, and, and I say that because if you are a self-assured Black person, person of color, really anybody, but I lean to our culture more because there are just some things that we're not going to take. Um, right. if, if I am a professional, I have taken out these loans to get this education. I go to all this professional development so that I can be, um, top tier in this profession. 
then there are some things that I'm not going to take. You're not going to be blatantly disrespectful to me without getting support from your parent or family and administration. Um, and so a lot of us are leaving. And I always have to say, because people, you know, will assume that I left because all oh, these kids is getting too bad. No, I left because God had another direction for me to go in this. But right. a lot of us are leaving because... I can go work corporate America and I might not get the summers off, but I don't have to deal with somebody's kid cussing me out and the parent does not have my back and administration says there's nothing they can do about it. And I'm be honest, to a certain extent, sometimes there's nothing that administration can do about it because the school district wants those tax dollars. They want that money off their That's kid. Right. So they want you to deal with it because they want the money. Education is a business. Um, So we would be more inclined to stay in those professions and in those positions um, if that piece were taken care of. We don't have a shortage of people of color with degrees. Um, We go to school. We get degrees. We become subject matter experts in whatever our field is. That's not the issue. Um, Right now, I'm a part of the new teacher project. It's just called TNTP now. But um, they have a coalition where we come together and we are trying to increase the number of diverse teachers in public schools. Um, It's called the One Million Teachers of Color Project or One Million Teachers of Color Campaign. And we are working together to see how do we influence legislature? How do we influence educator prep programs? How do we influence these different spaces in education so that we can make it um, more accessible for people who have gone to school for education or even a non-traditional route to um, get licensure? Um, It costs almost $200 for every praxis prep, for every praxis assessment that you have to take. A lot of us aren't good test takers. And if we know the history of standardized testing, it's not for us anyway. So how many $200 do you have to give away to get enough practice under your belt before you can pass this test? Because even the test prep materials aren't free. You got to pay for those test prep materials if you want the really good ones. So who has all that money to throw away? Even going into administration, um, I have my master's in education. I take my my licensure assessment in August. When I went to pay for that, it cost four hundred twenty five dollars. Thank God I know what I know. But if I don't pass that test on the first time, do I have another four twenty five to throw away to take that test again? You know, so there are a lot of barriers that are in place that are put in place by our great legislators uh, because the structure of schools is that schools, public schools are run by the governor. The governor gives permission to the legislature. The legislature says, okay, State Department of Education, you run this. And it's all gone through this political channel. Most of these people who have never stepped foot in a classroom, don't know what it's like, don't have any tenure in teaching, Mm-hmm. So we we have to get rid of these barriers. 
send our best yeah. kids to school and get rid of these politically motivated barriers that keep us out. Um, because we, yeah. we are here. A a Black mm -hmm. educators, educators of color, we out here. We are. That's right. I feel you on the test. <laughs> my undergrad was uh, for uh, physical health. And I thought I was going to be a teacher girl, but I couldn't pass that practice. And I took it. I think I took it twice. And I last time I took it, I missed it by one point. I said, "Oh no, see, I'm done. <laughs> I was done. I was done. I was done." <laughs> but it was the math every time. I think the math is where it got me. It got me. So go ahead, Andrea. I'm sorry. You fine. Um. So this is a, I think a kind of like a comic question type. Um, you were talking about how it was certain teachers who were yelling at the students and saying, you know, take the bonnet off. I have seen where some students have responded more to the person who was yelling at them than a person who kind of like took them to the side. Um, so do you feel like in some instances some students you know that's, that's how they re they respond to that and that's why some teachers may do that or do you feel like it's just i don't know this is just a quick question that is true there are some students who respond to the yelling more than your nicety your like come here back like okay there there are some but what's true in either situation is that before you can do that you got to have a relationship with those kids. And even if it's a student you don't teach, you you my friend's favorite teacher. My, my friend said that it's, it's lit in your class that y'all, you teach them, but they get to be themselves. My friend, you, you got to have some kind of rapport with them already um, before you can pull them to the side nicely or before you can yell at them and they listen to you. Some of them do respond the same way they are talked to at home. There are some that you have to say, I don't know what your problem is. Like, what in the world are you thinking? But you still can't do that in front of everybody because you're not going to get the response that you're looking for. But there are some of them. You got to talk to them the way, the way they're, they're talked to at home. And because, unfortunately, it is a lot of times the student of color, um, whether they black, Asian, Hispanic, a lot of times it is a student of color who, you know, they display these um, disrespectful, you know, attitudes, actions, as we would like to call them. You got to have somebody who knows what that, what that kind of life is like in order to be a, to, to in order to effectively reach them you, you can't talk to me like my mama if your mama hadn't talked to you like my mama talked to me or if you don't talk to your kids the same way you talking to me like sometimes they do need that sometimes it is what they want it is what they respond to but you still got to be genuine you still got to be authentic with it Ooh, yeah. yeah, I think that's. Oh, no, I think that's really, really. This is good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I, I think that that's. 
I, I'm going to ask one more question and I'll let you go. I think Daisy and Andrea, I think y'all, I think y'all two have both have another question. Y'all said, yeah, let, let me listen to um, let me look at that uh, comment. That too, listen, Argelia, before they ask the question, listen, this definitely can use a part two because <laughs> I, I do feel like there's a lot more in you that we probably haven't been able to address on tonight. But I know Andrea and Daisy both have a question before we kind of get things wrapped up here. Okay, this is I promise this is my last question. I'm not gonna say nothing else. Okay, so Jessica was talking about how in the formative years, how she still sometimes struggles with math. So in your program, would you be able to help like someone who is an adult, or are you just on just children or you know certain age groups? Absolutely. Um, we actually had a gentleman. He is from Scotland and he became um, a, a U.S. citizen. He wanted to be in the Air Force and um, in studying for, well, he attempted the ASVAB um, and he didn't pass. So he realized, OK, I need some help. And it was with the math section. Um, and we worked with him diagnostic assessment. Let's see where you are. Let's work with you to fill those gaps. And um, when he finished with us, he he took the ASVAB and he did pass. Um, so we do work with adults as well. You know, I, I'm thankful that God's given me enough wisdom to know that I can't do everything myself. So it's not me um, on this team by myself. I have four employees and four independent contractors who are currently working. Um, I have an adjunct professor who's actually in her last semester getting her doctorate who works for me because we need to pair adults with adults, you know, ethics. I, I would never pair one of my high achieving teens um, with an adult, you know, but I have a, a slew of people who help me so that we can help God's people. Um, and so, yes, we do help adults as well because we need help too. Absolutely. That That's is all. awesome. I love that. This math is math. Math. Ooh, Jesus! Give me a piece of paper. Uh, math, give me math enough. It don't the, head, the head. The head. Math. Give me a piece of paper. Paper. <laughs> Can y'all hear me? Yes. It's a little delay on my end. I think it's my phone. So my last question for you is because we were talking about this all week because right now um, where I'm at on this assignment, we have summer camp and we have different age groups and they have this phone. So we were talking about this and you know, this has been a topic for a while, even on the news and so forth. How do you feel about the cell phones? Do you feel that the cell phones in the classroom is a mm. distraction? I had a teacher, um, she was doing an interview. I forgot what state she was in. And so in her classroom, she basically was saying that since we can't get rid of the phone, we're going to use the phone to do what we need to do, um, using it as calculator. Because I guess in that classroom, I think back in my time, we we had calculators. Right. But, you know, supplies are short because teachers is, some teachers are not putting out like they should or that they want to because they're tired. Um, so they're using it to look up and Google certain things and using it for calculator. How do you feel about that? And do you feel that the cell phone is a distraction to learning? 
Um, I do feel that a cell phone can be a distraction to learning. Um, most definitely. But this this goes to the, the honest is on the school district and then on the teacher um, as far as enforcing what that cell phone policy is. So if the school district's policy is no cell phones, then teachers have to also enforce no cell phones in their classes in order to keep cell phones from being an issue. And the school district, the principal, the teacher have to be on a united front when you confiscate the phone as the policy says that you will. Um, and, and that is my local district. That is how it is. If you're on your phone, if we see it, it can be uh, confiscated. And the district has to support the principal and the principal has to support the teacher in that move in order to keep cell phones from being a distraction. In the case where kids are going to pull out their cell phone anyway, listen, that's, that's, that's a behavior ish, behavioral issue that's not principal worthy. Um, we as teachers should know how to remedy that um as long as we have our admin support in how we do it so if that means integrating using the cell phone in your instruction as a calculator um for google if you allow students to use their cell phones and say hey these are the parameters if you're on your phone this is what i expect to see or this is when you can be on your phone you know in, in, in order to do this research if you need to look at this source um, and nowadays, that's not a huge problem because there are so many grants out there that allow students to be one-to-one -one with the mobile device, um, with a laptop, a Chromebook, um, an iPad. So that's really not a huge issue now because we have those devices in the classroom. Even if it's not a one-to-one, -one, there's a classroom set. So students don't have to be on their phones. Um, but whatever I, I always say whatever the district policy is the school should go with the district policy and the teacher needs to follow that as well um in a case where the teacher decides hey we're going to use our cell phones um because we're going to make instagram posts we're going to make social media posts um about this content even because that's a great teaching tool you're on social media anyway learn this lesson create a social post sharing what you've learned and this is how I'm going to grade that you actually have acquired this knowledge. Nice. We just have to have a clear understanding of how it's used and enforce it for the way that we say it can be used. Um, for me, if you want to use your cell phone to listen to music while you work, cool. It needs to be face down. You don't have to have face up to listen to music. When I see it face up, you got to put it up or I'm going to take it. Um, have a charging station. Do you you need to charge your phone? Sure. There's the area where you charge it. Because if it's if it's on the charger, then you're not using it. If it's away from you on the charger, then we don't have a problem with you using it. Um, so I really think that the the communication needs to be streamlined. It it needs to be um consistent. You know, we're we're not changing today. You own it and I ain't saying anything about it, but tomorrow, you know first or third period and got on my nerves. So now put that phone up, you know, we, we gotta be consistent. Our, our messaging has to be the same. And I think that will, that really would eliminate a lot of the problems that we see 
around cell phones. You know what I'm saying? And the things that you say, the things that you share, even in your uh, just just what you do, you know. And so it's that that's just beautiful, beautiful. And I know I, I'm sure I can speak for all my sisters. Listen, um, we're full. We, we actually we want more. <laughs> that's why we call it for an encore. <laughs> that's why we call it for an encore. But listen, y'all, listen. I I'm kind of i lost some words because I feel like this has just been so uh valuable, you know. So. You know, informational and just things that we've been able to take away from this. Um, school might be out, but listen, today we were in schools in session tonight. <laughs> schools in session tonight. And so, listen, I know our uh, producer is going to be coming on here shortly, so we can get things wrapped up. But I guess as a closing off, to kind of just if you want to share some closing words, maybe share with the people how they can find you, where they. I I, I did see on your website that your company is is specific to the state where you reside if i understand correctly but if not correct me but still let the people know how they can find you where, where, where you're located or how they can get in contact with you absolutely well first of all again thank y'all awesome. for having me go ahead you also do editing book book um book um writers oh like proofreading and stuff like that oh you let me know Yes, I will. Um, that is not a service that I publish um, anymore. But if it's if it's a project that is upbuilding God's people, then yes, I, I will. Um, yeah, I I can't do everybody because you know people into new age and spirituality and they want to call on the ancestors and I can't do all that. That's that's not the lane that the Lord moves in. Thank um, you. But if you have a work that is uplifting God's people in a godly way, then yes, I, I will edit. Kingdom project. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate y'all for having me. Um, I I have to say that it is the Lord's doing. None of this is myself. Anything that you heard. Is because I prayed about how to do what I do, when I do, what to say, how to say. It is not me. It is all the Lord. Um, I do appreciate y'all, though, for inviting me, for thinking that I was worthy enough to be on the godly view. Um, and I just hope that my life continues to edify God. If you want to contact me, you can reach me at Argillian, A-R-apostrophe-J-I-L-L-I-A-N at gilmerslearningsolutions.com um, or studentsuccess at gilmerslearningsolutions.com. Um, we're on Facebook by the same name with Gilmer's Learning Solutions. And whatever we can do for you, we will do. If we cannot, we will point you in the direction of somebody who can. 
Listen. That is awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Man, another amazing show. The it was awesome from beginning to end. So much information was received today that I pray that you all got something out of it. If you didn't get something out of it, I challenge you to go back and rewatch it because obviously you missed something somewhere because there was something in there for all of us. We thank our guests for being on. As already been stated, you will definitely be coming back for a part two. And uh, we appreciate you to our listeners. We appreciate y'all. We appreciate you all for rocking with us. We invite you to go on over to the podcast and listen to us on the podcast, which will be released tomorrow at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. As I always say as we close out, sometimes our disappointments are nothing more than God's appointments, meaning sometimes if we look at it's bad, God is only turning it around for our good. Stay blessed, be blessed, and be a blessing to someone else. We'll see y'all later. Peace.